people have to buy their sports cars or you know whatever whatever their you know chalets or whatever the hell you want to you want to spend your money on looks like dan's so, rocking a peloton back there or uh oh yeah, dude, it's, yeah. It's probably is that is that where the money went the peloton yeah and then then actually i have a dinosaur in a crate <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is, it, is it that like a real like a bones or like what are we talking about oh yeah it's a fossil it's like yeah. a fish we were debating before the show we were like dan's a real og like does he have a tungsten cube does he have a lambo but you have a fucking dinosaur fossil that's pretty dope All right, sweet. Welcome back, everyone, to the first 1000X podcast of the new year. We have a great guest, Dan Matuszewski, one of the longest tenured crypto traders around, someone who's managed to weather the highs and the lows and stick around despite all of the ridiculous fatigue and silly things that happen in this space. We're recording right after the SEC, about a day after the SEC's Twitter got hacked and we had some crazy moves in the market. Dan, is that like top five stupidest thing you've seen in crypto top 10 top 20 like i think it's top five i mean it's top it's top five because <laughs> i mean like i like we're finally on the big stage right like dude every news or well, at least every financial news organization on the planet like the headlines were just about it right like i don't know you got senators tweeting at them and like i don't think that any of that stuff will matter but we just as an industry look like clowns for basically for i mean the sec looks bad too but like also like of course we would not be able to like go through this like adults as an industry like i would argue we've, we've looked like clowns for some time now uh with you know ftx turning into you know just like the greatest scam since bernie madoff and all the other horrible things that have happened how, how have you how have you managed to weather these crazy cycles and keep your head screwed on right i, I think all the all the traders out there want to learn how you how you don't you know, burnout basically amidst all this craziness. Yeah. Um, well, so the FTX one in particular, that, that one I think was just, we had learned a lot of lessons a lot of years ago. Um, so nowadays people don't think about exchange exposure as much as well, on the back of FTX they do, but really you got into a lull probably, I don't know, starting like 2020 um, on where like people kind of stopped worrying about the venue risk. Um, there was like that little brief period where OKX like froze withdrawals and people like got a little spooked again, but that didn't really affect us people as much. Um, so anyway, like there hadn't been like a big exchange failure in a while. Um, and people got complacent, but really like back in the day when we first started doing this, like when I first started trading this thing, exchanges like would go down every six months. Like they weren't really sticking around. So you, you definitely didn't keep more on there than you like had to. Um, so one of the things that we just like as a best, practices thing like over the years is we try to diversify exchange venues um, as much as possible like that you can and like really just like keep an amount of money there that you like won't get obliterated if you lose. Um, so like we had money on FTX, we got popped. Like we more likely than not like any major venue would ever go down. Like we would have some exposure to it, but it was all like an amount of money we were able to lose um, and like continue to like operate. Right. And like it actually ended up I mean, a dollar trends end up being fine, like whatever, like the risk sort of angle that people are complaining about now. Like, I mean, everything went up and like you sort of got blown out at the lows. But anyway, like the long story of the short is like you, we picked up habits just sort of from like doing this for so long that like we're able to sort of keep going, um, even when like stuff gets like pretty dark and sort of you have exposure to it. Um, so the, the counter to that is you have if you like if you diversify your exchanges a lot, you always take a hit sort of when one goes down, right? Like, so you do sort of have this like tail risk of, 
you're always getting clipped a little bit sort of whenever these things blow up. Like we even, we use some like mid-tier exchanges sometimes um, and like they go down more. Like we've lost a couple of those probably since we started CMS. Um, and like, they were just like a figure that we like, were always willing to sort of lose. Like it sucks, like I didn't want it to happen, but like it is what it is. There's like a cost of doing business with the counterparty exposure in this. Um, I, I think that like makes the returns on the liquid side sometimes like look rosier than they are because like people don't price that risk sort of in it. And I think like a lot of people learn that who were LPs and funds that were liquid, like sort of this last cycle when like funds just got toasted because like their exposures were so high on some of the venues and whatnot. So anyway, like that that in particular is sort of helped. It's one of these things where like you just do this long enough, like you start running up against like all these scenarios and like hopefully you survive them and then you sort of keep going through it all. So I think I had the, the fortune of starting when the money didn't matter as much and the numbers were small. So like there was nothing like really, like you couldn't really hurt yourself enough to like, be out of the game and like when did you start i started like trading this thing professionally like 2013 i was like messing around with it in late 2012 and then i that first run in i don't know if it was like q1 but or into q2 where it ran up to like a thousand in 2013 i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a go and i went to work at kraken actually even way back then they like just gone um like live on the whole thing jesse started that in 2011 but it took him a bit to like get it going um and that was like my first foray sort of taking a job in crypto did you have a finance background before that or or yeah um... i was working i was actually working at a hedge fund i was trading um i was well i was doing more of the programming side of some of the automated trading to hedge the deltas for like an option book that i was attached to anyway it was in, it was in mostly a ball um fund that was a little like south of boston but I mean, I was pretty junior there, so I was I didn't have like a ton of responsibility on it, but I had learned enough from like the guys being there. I was there for probably three years, um, so I, I knew enough about like markets to like understand that aspect of it. Um, and I had a technical background, which helped a little bit, but not a ton. Back 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 then, there was basically you were going into a market that had negative infrastructure. There was nothing, right? In terms of in terms of actually accessing the market, it like would just not be there in three months, or like it would just. I mean, like the the methods for like transferring money were weird, slightly gray area. If they were even like allowed to be operating, there was like all these like odd payment processors that would like take the action, like Skrill and like local till and like I don't know. Like it was definitely it was a weird it was a weird market. It was. And like, I, it was a little more nefarious probably at that time. I mean, Silk Road was big and it was like definitely huge as a function of like the aggregate sort of volume going on and stuff. So it was a little seedier than it obviously is now. Um, and like, as the industry's gotten bigger, like that's like sort of changed, but yeah, it was, and the, the characters were way more colorful back then because like people, people were like, if you were really into it, you were definitely a little more like further on like the belief spectrum in like a lot of different ways. So. Those people have like kind of gotten like washed in sort of like the whole crowd as like time's gone on. Yeah, I mean, we, we've definitely professionalized the industry a lot over the last six, seven years, but it's still, I think Suspis had a hilarious tweet. It's like, this is still not a serious industry in, in many, in many meaningful ways. Just like the, the people, the characters, what we do. I mean, you look at half the things that people get up to in this market, it's what shitcoin is going to pump. I'm going to buy it before everybody else and then sell it back to them. And this thing's probably not going to exist in two years anyway. Yeah. I mean, but, but part of that is like value, right? Like I think like a, people knock it, but I think a lot of the, like, look, this industry is like, does have some entertainment value. And I think it has like a way of sucking you in and you don't leave because it is like a little addicting, just like the information flow, like the comedic app, like it is fun. 
And I think that like that matters a lot. Is like that's like some of the value it like has is that like it it maintains and keeps like a pretty wide, large group of people like involved in it at all times. Oh yeah. Crypto is like the best video game that's ever existed in the history of video games. I mean, it's it's amazing. And now you have all these tools to play, to play the video game. I mean, you spend all your time in deck screener poke, poking around or you're looking at order books, you're looking at flows. And it's just, yeah, there's there's a huge addictive addictive quality to it. And at the same time, we're in an industry that we think is going to change the world over the next 10, 10 to 15 years, which is, which is super nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what, being on CT is just like watching a movie day, day, day in and day out. Right, it's a, just a it's really neurotic movie, and it's I, bottom like you you can like you can start poking on different like you can like go look at like one like aspect of it and just be down the hole for days, and then just like pop to another like you can never consume the entire like universe of information at this point. That was actually that was actually the thing that was kind of a, a hard transition for me. I mean, I felt back in 2017, 2018, I could cover basically the whole industry myself. I mean, there were obviously like there were a ton of things that were going on, but you could sort of get a handle on most things. And now when I'm on CT or I'm looking at new stuff or my analysts are bringing me things like I've never seen this before in my life. I have no idea what this is. I don't even understand it at all. And then you have to really spend time to time to get in. I mean, the industry has definitely grown in terms of width, like the ability to for one person to manage and trade effectively. I mean, you kind of need a team now in, in, in many ways if you want to cover the, the whole breadth of it. Yeah, you can't you can't possibly like absorb all that's going on. Like it's just there's too many aspects. Like maybe in like the depths of the bear market when it's like slow, like you can like grasp it, but like definitely not now when stuff's flying around. How how active are you, Dan? Do you have a whole team? Are you just constantly actively trading every single crypto sector? Or are you uh, you running it lean and more trying to you know time things and and get in and out more slowly? Um, I think we're probably skewed towards the more active side of the house, like as like me personally, but then also like our firm, like compared to others, um, how many are we now total? I think we're 11 total, um, spread between like a couple of different cities, um, mostly New York and Boston, and then a bunch of guys remote. Um, we, we do, we definitely do like a fair bit of stuff, like in the DeFi angle of things too. Um, whatever you like want to call it. Like we're, we're always like banging around on sort of like new stuff and trying to get yield for assets we have. Um, but we're, we're pretty active on the liquid side. I, we're less active than when we started, but we still like, we trade every day for sure. Um, and we pump out a lot of liquidity um, into some of these like newer, like specifically like the DeFi um, Dex like derivative protocols. Like we try to like do a lot there where we can. And like we run a fair bit of automated trading. We keep a, we keep a lot of in-house like, um, like programming and like tech talent um and like we have guys who just like do dedicated devops like running nodes and like keeping on all that stuff so like i don't know like we're, we're pretty active on that front um and then we have a couple guys that just like do the venture so we like run the gamut of it but i tend to focus like purely just on like the liquid side of things i mean this is the first time i've ever met you um you know i've heard about you ever, ever since i got into professional crypto trading you guys you and bobby cho uh you know you have a reputation for having started a spray and pray fund at basically the best possible time, and then have basically rode that massive 2021 wave and somehow didn't get blown out by the sell-off, uh, probably just by active, actively trading risk management using some of the techniques you just mentioned. Um, you know, we I got guess my- lucky too. I, I want to be really completely <laughs> frank there. Like, I mean, like you, the this the history is always told by the survivors, but like it was. The, we zigged and zagged in a couple of the right spots in 2022, which like very much helped. 
Tell us some stories. Like that is you guys threaded the fucking needle. That was almost nobody managed to do that. All all, you know, you were in that sort of top five, top three fund category in 21. And literally everybody in the top 20, I think except you, got immolated spectacularly. Like what were you doing? Tell us some stories. Yeah, so we got a little lucky first off because um the way we're structured, we like have like a pretty gross like tax burden um because like it's all passed through income and we all like live in places that are like very high tax regime and most of our stuff is short-term cap gains so like we we basically have to sell half our PL in any given year um just to like cover the tax book in, in a good year right and like that changes depending on like the breakdown but that's like sort of the rough math um 21 was such a like phenomenal sort of run that we started prepping for the 2022 tax hit like because like we would make estimated payments but not like huge and like you don't know what your p is going to be so like it's pretty much all going out q1 22 so we started like basically de-risking and taking a bunch of money off the table at the end of 21 just because we had to right like because we're gonna have to pay that money um which we, we did end up so that was lucky really because we ha- we just like knew i had seen enough people get obliterated in 28 uh, 2018 from like not having their tax money together in 2017 to know that like, look, if Q1 is bad um, in the following like a good year, like you have like a real problem because you're fire selling assets, like maybe at sort of the level that like you can just like make your tax butt nut. So anyway, that was like the first lucky thing that we had. So we just like had the cash on hand and we had sold the money for bonuses too, just to get that ahead. So we were, we could make our payments um, that we needed to make like in the Q1. So like that was all right. And then like that didn't force us to do like a ton of stuff in the beginning. We also just like, we had taken some risk off the table from some like larger positions um, via using the borrow lend desks um, that was just like lucky that we structured them as term um, so that they didn't get called in open. So like, we just like, we just were kind of lucky in some of like the structuring that we had with some of this stuff that we were like able to, like we didn't do well. Like we took a lot of deltas down and like a lot of our book just got smushed, but we had taken enough risk off the table that, we had bullets on the way down and we were also able to just like keep paying and operating everything. Um, like there was no disruption of payroll. Like we let a couple of people go that, I mean, like you, you get aggressive, like hiring in the bull and like, you got to like clean it up in the bear. But for the most part, like we kept the majority of the team through. Um, I will say the one thing like I didn't anticipate, which I learned was that like, we were very active with most of the bilateral lending desks. Um, so Celsius, Grayscale, um, BlockFi, like we've done an equity investment in BlockFi even like we, we were big players with all these guys. Um, I didn't really think about it, which I should have is that like, if one lender dies, like they all die. Um, I didn't like, I knew it was very daisy chained and I knew there was really like only like 10 people maybe that were like 90% of the borrow. Um, but I guess I just didn't factor in how bad that would be unwinding. So like part of the problem we ran into in 2022 was like we would, a lender would blow up. We would have to like close all of our open term loans with them. But by the time we were done with that, like the next peg was falling and like that was getting called in. So like we were just constantly paying back borrow and like having to close things. So like that sucked. And like in retrospect, like that was like the biggest thing that we could have thought a little bit more about that we just didn't at the time. I mean, like in the bull market, like you get sloppy and lazy and you don't like think about like if it goes bad. But that was like a real headache that uh, was going on behind the scenes that I don't think people really understood was that everything was like at some, you had like a four month window where like every dollar of like open term borrow got called. And like, it was hard. Like it was hard for people to like get all that together. And a lot of that money had been like fired out into like venture. 
and like people just kind of like assumed they'd always be able to borrow it from somewhere and you just couldn't like the market went to zero like the credit like crunch that happened was wild like it just went to nothing overnight um and by overnight i mean like three or four months but like it just happened and it, it never came back it still really hasn't come back so that was like a big bogey that we didn't really think about on the way down yeah the, the, the thing the thing you said at the beginning i think is actually a huge source of huge source of alpha you said, I mean, a lot of people are in that position where when they make a ton of money in, in a given year, they have to cover their, they have to cover their taxes, which I think is why you see crypto so often top in January and February as people, as people are pay, paying out their taxes, everybody, you know, sort of, sort of calls out a meme, but after the cycles, I mean, that's, that's just what we see. I know that in 2021 you had, I mean, that money's got to go, right. comp, but like, it's got to go, like it's got, it's got, it's got to, it's got to exit and pe- people, people have to buy it. People have to buy their sports cars or, you know, Whatever the you know chalets or whatever the hell you wanna you wanna spend your money on. Looks like Dan's so, rocking a Peloton back there. Or uh, oh yeah, dude, that's, yeah. That's probably, is that is and, that where the money and, went? And the Peloton exercise cycle. Yeah, um, and then then actually I have a dinosaur in a crate. <laughs> 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 is it, is it that like a real like a bones or like what are we talking about? Oh yeah, it's a fossil. It's like yeah. a fish. Yeah. Oh wow. See, we we were debating before the show. We were like. Dan's a real OG. Like, does he have a tungsten cube? Does he have a Lambo? But you have a fucking dinosaur fossil. <laughs> I know. That's I got pretty a, dope. I have, I have a big tusk in the base. And, and the guys are downstairs on that. Like, where on the main, in the main floor, like, we have, like, everybody, like, in a ring. This is, like, we, we took an old townhouse and we, like, turned it into, like, an office. Um, so, like, I'm in the upstairs room. But so this, remember, remember, you, you remember this. We went to, like, go buy that dinosaur in France. No, this, I, 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 this was no, like this was like the, the, do not remember peak, this at all. This is the peak of 2021. This was like November. Like you could mark the calendar high to like the like with a pen to like the exact top we sent. So there anyway, like that to get to in the weeds. We a bunch of people got together, like, and we sort of organized it to try to buy this dinosaur. Um, but we ended up getting smoked on it. It ended up going like way higher than we thought it was. But we sent a guy to France and like we had to pay a deposit. Um in euro to like be able to bid right so like we had to send like i forget what it was it was like a couple hundred thousand euro to like be able to like actually participate like that was how you could prove you're real and then the guy we sent jack was our cfo um to do it was there and he gets like smoked right like the auction goes way higher than we thought it was gonna go like we don't have to stand a chance but at the time i was like look like you're there like i don't even want to like figure out how to get this money back just burn the deposit because like they have other stuff they're selling so he got like a bunch of like random fossils that we like but this this thing is like 10 feet long which we didn't realize and it's like 800 pounds so like we have nowhere to put it we're like oh we'll put it on the wall and it's so fucking it's rock like it's a big rock like it's in the rocks though it's so it's way too so it's just been sitting in the crates here for like a year and this and this is is, what is it this is like a this is a fish you said what it's a it's a 10 foot like prehistoric fish that's 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 incredible we we gotta we, we gotta get a picture of this thing once you actually put it together (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, I haven't opened it, so like I don't even know if it's in there, but like it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's but I don't have anywhere. I don't have a single piece of like wall that's like will hold it, or even like I don't know if I could even like structurally hold it. So anyway, that's like sitting in the case. And this is why crypto sells off. Crypto sells off because people take their money to buy prehistoric fish and sell and pay taxes. And so I think I think we, maybe we can maybe we can build an index for this. Yeah, and and, and credit credit crises. I mean, we should be able to build in it. I mean, I, I see this happen over and over in crypto. There's so when you have just like a complete amount of froth in the market and people are just doing absurd things with their money that they never thought that they would do otherwise, 
that's probably that that's always such a good signal well dan's on cycle number four now so i think by then he, he's earned the license to do some to buy some prehistoric dinosaur fish i mean i guess dan's a fossil himself in the crypto <laughs> yeah. industry so might, might as well have some fossils well do you think we're in froth mode right now dan or do you think that uh, this thing is just going to send after the etf uh, launches this one's hard because um so uh, i'm gonna say this i don't i don't have a great insight of what's gonna happen like the next couple weeks um Look, I'll say this, if they reject it, it's going down. But like, like, assuming that like it's going through, right? And like everything, that seems to be the consensus, like people smarter than me in that world, like think that. Um, I, I think it's gonna be kind of noisy for a bit. Um, like A, like just because this thing exists doesn't mean like people are gonna be like immediately like, oh, now I can like find it. But you know, like TreadFi moves at like a speed that's a little bit slower. So I do think like, even if people wanna put that position on, like it's not just like, oh, day one, boom, get me. There'll be some of that and like that will matter. And like retail is like a like a force, so like they can like come in like rip this thing. But I, I think you're gonna need a couple weeks to a month so you like get a good idea of what like baseline flows are gonna be. But like the the back of that is like there's gonna be sustained inflow and it's gonna matter and it's gonna be good and it's gonna be like net like sort of like cash sort of like moving into the industry as a whole. So I think it's gonna be a big tailwind. And you also have a having which matters. Um, so I think both those things are gonna be like I think it's gonna get wilder the end of the year but like in in the next couple of weeks like i don't know i don't i don't i don't have a bet like i don't really like have like i if anything like we'll probably just like if it gets like smushed like we'll try to grab some but like i don't have like a good plan other than that so that's like kind of it just it's like way out of my wheelhouse of how this stuff's gonna move i don't have like real conversations with people that would be like putting money in this thing i just like i i'm guessing but do you, do you think so? I mean, one thing one thing that the market was talking about a ton is just right after the fake tweet from Mr. Gary, ETH BTC just ripped. It it ripped it ripped super hard, and it seems like people are just very very underpositioned for that in general. Are you are you thinking of getting long long ETH after the ETF, or what what do you, what do you think in terms of rotation play? Yeah, I think there should be some like reversion there, right? Like ETH ETH Bitcoin just gotten so shellacked. Um, so like, I think it's a pretty easy one to be also, do you remember when the CME futures launched and then like the next month, like ETH Bitcoin, like tripled it, like that was like the bottom to the second. So I think a little people are looking at it like sort of the same way. I, I think that's probably like, if you put a gun to my head, like ETH Bitcoin trades higher, like on the back of this thing and just like sort of like drips up, that'd be my guess. Why, why do you think ETH is so cursed? I think it's the easiest, most liquid thing that you've been able to sell against Bitcoin for a while. So like people that like want to get longer, it have probably done so. I think that's like just like the simple on it. Like it's harder to sell like the other basket of vaults. And you also would have gotten carried out in it. Um, just like it's stuff like bounce. I just think like if you were like, I need a, I want to get like longer Bitcoin, like selling ETH against it was probably like the trade for the last six months. Um, I, th- I think we're, we're seeing, we're seeing that market dynamic shift a bit. I mean, if you remember back in the last three, four months, every time ETH BTC would rip, the entire alt complex would sell off because it was super clear that everyone was long the alts against short ETH. And this is actually the first time that I'm seeing, look, ETH BTC is up, you know, two and a half percent and alts are actually doing okay relative. And so I think people are, it seems like people are starting to work, work out of that position and that should in theory be helpful helpful for ETPTC. So like load up on your Lidos, your ARBs, your, your optimisms of the world and just sort of close your eyes and wait. But I don't know. The, 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 the tough part is that if, if this is quote unquote priced in and BTC tops out, I mean, how, how long do we get, do we get a rally? Right. I think that that's sort of, that's sort of the tough part. Yeah. I don't know. I probably guess it's like a couple months. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like the whole year. 
unless there's like some like real change like unless like activity on eth just like goes through a roof and like your burn just gets so high and the stud thing just starts to feed on itself are you is that something that you act you, you you actively trade so are you are you are you put, putting on putting on these positions to try to to try to capture these moves we i mean we'll trade like eth out right we don't trade the like spreads of like stuff like like soul eth or like avax soul or like they i we just like, don't do a lot of like the pair trading like i do i've said this a bunch like i wish there was like a real index product for like the top 50 that was i don't know i don't know how you'd like do the weighting so it wasn't just like bitcoin but like that you could use as just like a generic like hedge of like exposure but um like absent that like i mean sometimes we'll go long alts and we'll like sell Bitcoin and ETH against it sort of like basically it was probably 50 50 is like most of the times like or whatever we got like lying around that doesn't have like great yield um but for the most part like we're not like sort of taking exotic paratrade bets so like as ETH Bitcoin is like across itself like we don't really trade yeah what's up you you, you mentioned earlier that you know just the combination of the tailwind from ETF inflows plus the halving is is just absolutely massive and you're expecting a you know a bullish second half of the year or q4 like so am i i i i'm so so ludicrously bullish that i can't see straight and what i what i can't figure out against that backdrop is that if you have this steadily rallying you know benchmark asset what are you supposed to rotate into for the beta plays like i i'm i'm so bad at this and you guys with more experience than me who are more plugged into the market than i am you know, Dan, I want I want to ask you like what 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 sectors are you looking to to play for you know the bull market that you see coming? What are you rotating risk into, or are, are you just waiting for now and you're you're going to try to get into that higher beta stuff later? Yeah, so like I mean, the way we generally try to play this stuff is like it used to be just like you own Bitcoin and ETH when they rip and then flatline, then you spray out sort of into like the most liquid sort of alt. I mean, that's mostly the other L1s, like that's kind of been, or now like the L2s, you definitely put in that bucket. Um, so like, I don't know, call it the top five other L1s and like ARB and OP and I don't know, pick a couple others if you want, but like basically stuff that's pretty liquid, but like, it's definitely like higher beta. Um, the thing was like this time, like ETH just didn't do that, right? Like really just like Bitcoin just like ripped up with flatline and then the rest of the alts would rally. Um, but that's generally how we look at it is like, you see the cash move in and like real money come through in the majors, which has just been Bitcoin ETH. And then you like, you wait to the stuff that's going to spread. Like the longer, longer tail of stuff will rip too, but like there's capacity issues. Like once you start getting outside the other L1s, like it, and depending on like how far you like want to go out. Also weirdly, like the inflows that are about to come in are going to come in on TradFi rails and you can't like take your BlackRock Bitcoin ETF and diversify it into bonk, right? Like there's no mechanism to do that. So maybe Bitcoin will just outperform everything else this cycle. I, I don't know how to think about it. Yeah, but if you think about it, like that Bitcoin's getting bought on a cash exchange somewhere from a crypto native person who's now getting cash, right? And then they're going to take those bullets and do something with them. I think that's like the way I generally try to think of like how it moves through the system. Yeah, maybe. I mean, at least some percentage of, of the Bitcoin that's getting bought will indeed go go rotate into something else. That's a good way of thinking about it. I was kind of assuming that in the past when there were big Bitcoin inflows, they were going on to, you know, just random exchanges. And then eventually the people, the holders of, of those Bitcoins get bored and, and rotated out the risk curve. But no, you're right. <clears throat> you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it, what is actually going to be super useful is... Um, the ETF becomes like a marginable asset inside like brokerages as opposed to GBTC, which is a little like, I think there's only a couple of people that are like lend against it. So like, that's actually super useful. 
um, for people that can like actually use their Bitcoin as like a lending product again, right? Like you can borrow against that pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a much more useful asset. Just like oh, over overnight, bit, 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 Bitcoin becomes a you know becomes so so much better to buy because you're not tying up tying up capital that you can't can't do anything else with. So I mean that 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 could actually lead to another uh, yeah it could could lead to just another uh, credit credit boom cycle. Like Schwab or Fidelity will give grandma leverage to buy the bit the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF too. So you don't you don't need to to try too hard to imagine some scenarios where people get pretty pretty levered long. Or you could just like you could have a hundred Bitcoin worth of shares of the ETF, and now you can like use that to get a margin loan to buy like a house. Like you could you could think the it's so useful having that thing like not like as Grayscale's version of it. Yeah, Grayscale's version absolutely carted out some of your competitors. I can't believe the wrecking ball that that thing caused. I mean, we got hurt with it too, right? Like when that bar was getting called in, like we had like some of that spread on and it like just torched us. Like there was nothing you could do about it too. Like that's what I was saying. Like that stuff like that, like there wasn't a ton you could do to avoid it. Because the thought was always like, all right, like if BlockFi falls down, I'll just go like borrow it from Celsius or go borrow it from Genesis. The problem was like everybody was dead. So you're like, fuck like there's nothing like there's nobody to go to anymore like unless you could go find something bilateral but then nobody wanted to face anybody anyway so it didn't matter i don't know after honestly after that like after hearing that how do you how do you keep your head in the game i mean this this is something that i i i work i work on a ton with myself and i don't i don't really have a great a great answer but this market just sometimes just takes takes you out and just slaps you around and just being able to keep your head in the game i mean so many people they you know they make they make a few million bucks they check out it's like how do you keep your head in the game. You're like, all right, I'm going to get back on. I'm going to keep, keep attacking this bull markets around the corner. Like, let, let, let me stay on top of it. I mean, do you, do you, do you take vacations? <laughs> I, I got nothing else to do. So that helps. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I, mean the, I say this, I say this a lot. I say definitely to like guys who are younger is like, there's going to be periods where it's like terrible. Just like take that time and do something like else. Like, cause there's, there is a hundred percent in the bull market you just start letting other aspects of your life like fall to shit, right? Like you like don't keep up with friends. Like you're like not talking to your family. Like your health is like, like use the down periods where like there's nothing going on and like the chart's terrible. Like everything's just getting carted and like you have a position and you just like don't like use that time and be like, get your life in order. Cause like, you know what? You're not, you're not going to get it when it turns. So you have to like be really good about your time management. I think like that's something you like take a couple cycles to like figure out. Um, is like when it's slow and bad and like all of 22, you could basically like have gone away and like fucked off and it wouldn't have mattered. Like you would have come back and everything was the same price it was when you were there and you didn't miss a damn thing. So use that sort of period when you can. And if you have the resources, obviously to like get the other aspects of your life, like squared away. Um, that's like, I think a big takeaway that I've like gotten over time. Um, otherwise though, but you gotta remember like when it's the worst, it's when everybody's getting blown out. Like that's when the opportunity is and just chill. Like you don't have to do anything. Well, this is also like why we don't use a lot of leverage. Like even though we were very active with the borrow and like we do, I say that like we try to avoid leverage, but like we obviously have used it. Um, we try to do it more like not just like outright long, but you got to like leverage causes like an issue of like time. So like you suddenly have to like have things happen in a re like, or at least like it adds a clock aspect to it. If you could just like not do anything, like it's great. And just like, don't fret just like chill i don't know people people get overworked i think it's because like the industry is moving so fast everyone feels they need to be doing something at a given time do you still believe in the industry as much as you did on day one like are you are you uh you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you were 
you know, back back in the day in 2013, it was real crazies, real believers. Like, are you are you still a real believer? And if so, like, what do you what do you see this transforming in general? I want to hear your philosophy. I still buy the idea that like stateless sort of like money is like a very big important thing. And I think like the ability to just like send value to whoever you want is like super useful. I think also stable coins are like a massive just like leap. And I think they're, they're a huge tool. Um, that being said, like I think the industry is getting, it's become more of a casino as like time has gone on. Um, not that it wasn't in the past. It was just a smaller aspect of the flows. Um, I think it's like just dominates now and like people don't even try to hide it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I just like think it is what it is. I, I agree. Like, I mean, casinos in real life kind of suck. Um, but I mean, look at Bonk. Your odds are way better than double zero, right? And it's probably more fun and you get to tweet about it. Yeah, and you get to be part you get to be part of a community, which I think is missing. Yeah, people want to be part of a community. I like I said, like I don't feel strongly either way about it. I just like it has definitely become a bigger portion of like the ecosystem, like as and basically every year since 2017, once ICO started to kind of like just never came back. Do you, do you think, uh, you know, to the serious people out there building on crypto, do you think there's anything that's, you know, valuable that's going to get built that we're not paying attention to be it games or real world assets or deep in or any of the shit that people are talking about these days? Are you focused on it? I don't that? know. I, I tend to like not give it a ton of thought until it's too late. And that's fine. Cause like most of the time it's just been a fade. Um, I, like I was even like skeptical <laughs> of stable coins for a really long time. Like when Tether came out, I was like, this is stupid. I was like, why would you use these dollars? And then like, as time went on, I was like, ah, oh, like this is why. So like, I don't know. I'm probably just like irrationally pessimistic about like things initially, but like, you gotta remember there's been so many cycles of this stuff, right? Like it was STOs and then it was like, remittances and then it would like every like two years there's like a new thing that like i don't know so those have generally just been a fade yeah i i honestly i like that like i, I like i like that approach because i think i think that it, that's how you see the market with clear eyes is when you when you recognize that they're they're tailwinds to this of useful things that are probably going to work but at the end of the day we're traders and we're just here to make money and we're here to focus on that and that we just know that this is the most inefficient market we've seen in our lifetime and let's just figure out how to take advantage of that in the, in the biggest way possible. I mean, I actually think that if you focus too much on the fundamentals, you just get lost, you just get lost in the weeds on it. And so it's just about, okay, well, what, what's, what's, what are the good trades? How do we, how do we make money? And so, I mean, it's, I know, I know, I know it sounds, sounds kind of, kind of silly to be like, all right, we'll throw out the fundamentals, but it's true. I've just seen so many people in crypto get sidetracked by that. I, yeah, I don't, and, and maybe I'm just not smart enough to like be in the weeds, like thinking about like the ramifications of all this stuff. So I like here's the example, like real world assets. Like I cannot square in my head how that's gonna work in crypto, but like maybe I'm wrong, and like people just figure it out. But like in my mind, I'm like I don't understand like how these two are gonna jive. Would you buy it on a narrative like, oh, real world assets seem to be ga gaining traction amongst the community of short term investors? I would like to get ahead of that before it migrates from Telegram to Twitter. And then I'll I'll pitch it back out when when the thing goes parabolic. Like do you, do you, do those short term types of meme or or narrative trades or not really? It's more like we'll be like, all right, this real world asset thing's flying. Three names have like tripled. Like, what are the other names that haven't? And like, why should we own those? And like, not give like that would be more like what we do then. Like smart. Like we're just like not early enough to like be like catching the whole thing. Like we're just like reactive. But but you did you did do a ton of VC and like. 
I guess it was 18, 19, and 20 during the doldrums of that bear market, right? And then you thousand X'd a bunch of shit. Yeah, I think like a lot of that logic was just like tokens have become very out of vogue. Um, like there was like a period in like 2019, 2020, where like it had been like tokens are worthless, like equity is the thing, like this was all like a joke. And we were like, I don't know, like I think people still like tokens. <laughs> like I think they're like, so we were just kind of like doing it. Also, we we got like we did like very well out of the gate and we were just like financing everything we were getting a look at for a period because like we just had so much money coming in from the trading side that like we just like kept cutting sort of checks. Um, so like that was like also just like it was just like luck that we were like it was all happening sort of at the same time. Um, so like that was also like part of the thesis was just like we have like a lot of excess capacity. Like we're not we have like we're new. We haven't done a lot in venture anyway. Like let's just see where this stuff like goes. And then we just like sort of had caught like a period where there had been massive underinvestment on the token side of things. I, I honestly think we're, we're sort of in that period right now. I, I wonder how you're, think, you're thinking about venture right now, but it seems like pr prices haven't necessarily caught up with what tokens are actually doing. Right now, I'm still seeing deals, you know, for 15, 20, 20, 25 mil of things that probably can come out at 50, 50 to 100 if the, if, the, if the market stays hot. So like, I, I actually think that that, that seems... Like it's a good, it's a good time to start the, the the spray and pray again from from my perspective. I'll tell you what's something that's been interesting and like I was like didn't like even really understand that I didn't understand it was just like how much of the building of like other primitives on Bitcoin is and how hot that is in Asia, um, like just the, a whole market that's like big and like relatively cheap on like the venture side that like we're just like ignoring sort of here. Um, that's just like everything they're talking about. And you saw this happen, right? A couple of these tokens like roofed and like went to billion dollar valuations and like nobody had even heard of them here. Is, is it, this is really all coming out of Asia? That's as far as I see it. I mean, like we, one of our guys w was over in Hong Kong for a month and he was like, this is the only thing people are talking about over here is like ordinals and stuff like that. And like building DeFi on Bitcoin. He's like, but nobody talks about it here. That's, that's, that's kind of interesting. I mean, should, should be, should be very good for Bitcoin miners. That's for sure. Let's get, get the, get, 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 get the, get the fees up. As a business, I perennially hate, like it should be very good for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's, it's such a terrible business because you know, you know that your income is basically going to zero over time, but at the same time, these things 10 X in the last bull cycle. So I it just, I I've seen, I've just seen so I've like, of all of the like bad investment I've ever seen, like in this industry over my time, like 90% of it was like miners. Like it's just like always, like every time, terrible, for, terrible outcomes for everybody, except for like the handful in Asia that you don't have access to that like mm -hmm. crush it. Marathon's not okay. Yeah, I think that you're right though. That has like changed a lot now that a lot of them are like public, but like that's just scarred into my brain. So like, I think I can't shake it. Well, speaking of that, what's, what's the worst investment you've ever made in crypto? I mean, we had a lot of rugs, so like there's a lot yeah. of just zeros. Like there's a lot of just like smoldering yeah. like craters in like the book. Like, um, so like those are probably some. Look, I think the biggest ones that I like fucked up were when I was at Circle, we were trading OTC and we had just started trading ETH OTC. And it was the second asset we had gotten, and we had a New York tech fund that was coming in buying hundred thousand lots of ETH like units every day. And I remember just like thinking about it being like, these guys don't know what they're doing. These guys are clowns. Like instead of just like looking being like, oh, like this is like a thing. And like people are like throwing real money into it. At the time, it wasn't a ton. 
Um, and like basically just like not getting balls long ETH then was like a huge mistake, especially cause I had, I was seeing it. Like I was like watching the flows and like I was impacting the market and I was just like fading myself. And I was like, I don't know. Looking back on it, I was like, that was like the easiest layup that I just didn't take. Yeah. I mean, this this market this this market it'll it'll teach you it'll teach you a lot of lessons. That 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 that's for sure. There 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 are always there are always going to be things that you know you 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 sold out before that before the thousand X or that you you know you 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 held for too long and then you just get like rugged on completely like Luna. Um, that that's I mean that that's just part of the part of the addictive addictive part of it. We did that round that they did in like January and like the money was gone in like February. Oh really? Like we. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a that was a huge one that we just like got obliterated on. Yeah, we like punched that ticket and then it was like dead. Remember, remember when Doquan and the some trading company executives who shall go unnamed went around and tried to raise money at the last minute from everybody in the market to try and prop up the price of Luna. I, that 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 was the craziest pitch I have ever heard in the history of my business endeavors. They, that was insane. I, I couldn't even believe it. They're like, yeah, yeah, we want to raise a billion dollars. Well, how do you, how do you know a billion dollars is the right amount? And Doquan's like, yeah, well, you know, it's it's we we looked at all the exchanges and that's how much is on the offer and the stack, and we we just want to take it out. I remember saying like, well, what if there's more in the stack, like an iceberg, you know, a- extra volume that's there that you can't see? He's like, oh, well, we just think that the news from the raise will you know scare off the offers. So will you just like give us a hundred million dollars. And I, I just remember thinking through this. I was like. Is this a real industry? Like, I mean, no, it's like, like you said, not a serious industry. Not, a, no, I, I remember, I remember, I remember that pitch super well. So we call it, it's like, I remember asking him, like, hey, I'm on the phone with Doe. Hey, how big is the hole? Well, you know, it's, you know, two, two to three billion. And you want to raise a billion to cover a two to three billion dollar hole? <laughs> yeah, take out, take out the offers, you know, take out the offers. It'll scare the market higher. Yeah. It's just, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of those, Dan. What's the worst pitch you've ever seen in crypto? Oh god! I mean, some of the original pitches in the ICO boom were just like they were existing like venture-backed companies that were just like we're going to do a token, and that was it. Like they'd be like they'd take their existing pitch deck that they had just used for whatever their like Series B was or whatever, and then like at the end they would just be like, and we're going to launch a token. We there was a ton of those. This went on for like months when like the ICO boom was going, and people were like, "This is just free money. I'm going to like launch a token." So we saw I at least a dozen of those where I was like, "There's nothing here besides like your existing equity pitch, and then like now it has a token, and you can only invest in the token." So there was some funny ones. There was like I mean, there was like other ones. that was like, what was the um the one? It was like it was for like chefs. I think it was like called like Ambrosia or something like that. I remember that one being like, this is upset. the 2017 ICO pitches were the best. Those were like the like most half-baked by far. I know it, it was just nice because they were, they were also, it was just so clear what was happening that you understood that you were basically investing into this thing that just had nothing, absolutely nothing behind it. Whereas as, as we've progressed, things have been dressed up a little bit. People, you know, put, put little flares on it. Oh no, no, no. This, the, you know, we're, so, we're actually solving this issue. I'm like, guys, guys, just tell me, just tell me how the token's going up. That's you know, that 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 that's what really matters. At the end of the day, it's funny. Oh, man, but. yeah, God, that was that was a special time in crypto. I still stand by 2017 was the wildest period I've ever traded through. I like 2021 was a mania, but like doesn't hold a candle to 2017. I mean, it was it was just, it was just so, so much so much fun, honestly, back then. Also, I was I was bright eyed and bushy tailed, so maybe I have just a little bit of nostalgia. Nostalgia for those days. I mean, by the time 2021 came around, it was definitely a little bit more jaded. Uh, but 
you know, in, 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 in 2017, I was, you know, sitting there clicking, spamming my ETH to get into these ICOs, hoping that, you know, I paid enough gas to fucking, fucking get in. You remember those? What is it like the, was it the SNT ICO where like the, like ETH just stopped working for like two days. Yeah. It was just Status. like, I was like, I was like, how is this? Like, I was like, how is this okay? Like everybody's just like accepting this. Yeah. It's um, a fu- future of finance, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, I remember the BCH fork happening, and it was like a very sharp guy that we had on the desk who was like convinced that, like, oh, like the fork value will come out and like Bitcoin will go down by whatever it is, and like instead they both just like rallied after, and like Bitcoin price never even went down. And he's like, he's like, I don't understand. People aren't like pricing the fork. I was like, dude, it doesn't fucking matter. Like nobody cares. I was like, we're just gonna buy both now. Yeah. yeah at, at at the at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is how many eyeballs are on an asset. And so if, if there's, if there's a fork happening, more people are looking at it, I guess it's going up. No, it's just funny, funny how that works. We made a fortune on that trade because OKX was still crediting you the fork, even though, so the way, cause they have coin margin futures, like they still do, but like, that was the dominant one they had then. And that was like really the most liquid future because BitMEX wasn't as high as it was. So we were massively short the back of the curve and you post spot as collateral, but they credit you the fork, right? So you get the fork for free and the curve collapsed like into sort of the event. And we made a fortune on this trade because we just like kept putting more and more of it on and like just the market just like didn't care. And I remember like talking to Jeremy and Sean at Circle about it and they were like, like explaining it. And they like, they kept like trying to find like the loophole. And I was like, no, like the only loophole here is like, okay, X like just take their money. But like, they always have that risk. But like really we're always wearing the same risk we have. Anyway, I was like, this is, this is free. I was like, it's free money. Just people just like choose not to like want it. Interesting. The only free money I've ever been given in crypto is when the uh, the ETH work uh, versus ETH fork happened. And uh, we FTX undercredited us ETH work versus our ETH. So we complained over the customer service channel and then SBF replied. <laughs> with, oh, sorry, guys, just just take, take some more ETH work and like just, you know, magically <laughs> airdropped us. Looking back on it, it didn't matter, right? It's like, like, why not? It's like, give them free shit. That's all fake anyway. Yeah, have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> Our DevOps guys did a cool trade with that one where they um because like so like I forget how exactly they did it, but they um because like all the assets like became worthless on the ETH proof of work, like right, like because you didn't have to like deliver them. Like all the pools got super imbalanced like immediately and you had like a couple blocks to do it. But our guy who runs DevOps was able to have like an ETH node running the first day, like on the first block. And they were like, he was able to like drain all of it and like take like, we got like a ton of free ETH for work on the other side. It was like a really complicated trade that he like put off, but like it ended up making like a ton of money. And I was like, this is just the dumbest sort of reason, but like, why not? That's a sick trade. We did, we, 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 we ran something similar, but way less sophisticated, which is that we actually came in after, after the chain and we started everything was priced ridiculously low. And we thought there was a reasonable chance that some of these things could turn into meme coins. So we just like bought all of the, all of the meme coins that were on ETH that were priced at effectively zero for no, for no U for like the USDC that we had on there. It didn't end up working. I think maybe at some point during the bull market, it, it might, might actually you work. Still got them. If, yeah. If, 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 if I still have them, but I basically like own a bunch of these meme coins on ETH that I bought for literally like $5 and I own 10% of the supply. <laughs> just like maybe one day you gotta go lobby you gotta lobby okay okay start listing them and that's how you get it dan i i'm late for a date with my wife i gotta jump but you guys keep going yeah do what you gotta do i got a jet too actually yeah, yeah.
Okay. So really well, dude, this was, this was, this was, this was an awesome, awesome, uh, awesome, awesome conversation. Ton of, ton of content, super packed. Thanks for coming on. You got to come on again once Great you time. get the fish put together. Yeah, seriously. This, uh, this fish is never getting put together. <laughs> this is in the box forever. We'll raise a Dow. We'll raise a Dow for a task rabbit to, so put, just to put it together. Right. It, it's fucking heavy. We had to carry it up here. All right. I for the next one I'll see, but it wouldn't fit here. It's too big. That's so funny. Maybe you should make a Game of Thrones style uh, boss chair for yourself, made out of uh, ancient dinosaur whale bones. Yeah, that'd be pretty sick. Yeah, like have the intern do that. There's a CMS intern on Twitter. Just hit him up and get that thing assembled. (laughs) Be like, listen, you're hired. You just got to make me a chair. (laughs) All right, dude. Great great to meet you, Dan. Thank. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.